Hello, welcome to Love Food, Hate Money, the show where we talk about how much we love food and we prove it by spending all of our money on it. I am your host, Jonah. This is co-host Courtney. Hey. And this morning is brought to you by Kirkland Signature Sparkling Water. The classiest and finest Italian sparkling mineral water. Yes, highest value, highest sparkles. No, I mean, I think it's their equivalent of Pellegrino. So it's brought to you by Pellegrino in disguise. (laughs) And coffee. Pelly G. Yeah, we we told you we were going to do this whole dry January situation. And um, for your pleasure, we are only talking about not drinking on the podcast. However, in actuality, we have been drinking in real life. We're so sorry. We've had drinks. We've lied. (laughs) We're sorry and we'll be... You can cancel Sorry. us now. Yeah. It was fun while it lasted. It was a good ride. Uh, the problem that we have is that we are social drinkers. Um, we really don't drink very much at home. Like, we'll occasionally have a bottle of wine. Um, <laughs> that's really funny. I mean, bottle of wine isn't that much, but that's a funny thing to be like, yeah, we don't drink that much. Just sometimes we have a bottle of wine all in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, each. And the dogs get one, too. Um, Bendy straws, as far as the eye can see. But, like, this last week, we had a wedding, a birthday party. Uh, all of your industry friends were like, we need to hang out right this second. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Back to back to back nights. It's hard to... Keep the lights on at your local bars. It's just... Yeah, you have to support local guys, okay? Um, I personally just... I don't want to go sit in a bar and drink a soda. Just so I can hang out with my friends. Like, at that point, I'd rather just be like, I'll just have a beer. Just have the beer. Just just don't be a nerd about it. So, all in moderation, friends. Well, We're doing our best. We're eating salad more, so. I have had more leafy greens this month than is <laughs> par for my course. And I'm a uh, 30-day streak on my Spanish lessons. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. It's okay. It, you know, you're doing good. You Sometimes you're at the top of the leaderboard on your funny app. I got second place this week. I'm pissed. Um, Just start calling out people on random language apps being like, hey, Ricardo. (laughs) No. (laughs) So part two of the menu. Back at it. Welcome back. Because we have too much to say about it. We got glowing reviews on part one. So we hope that you enjoy more of our rambling. Glowing review. (laughs) But it was wonderful. Uh, look, it only takes one. Shout out to Mimi. <laughs> so last time we kind of talked about the different types of characters. The right? architects. And how Mimi. they fit into the restaurant world. Um, I have since rewatched the movie. I have since fallen asleep to the movie. and had sweet little dreams of, is that a movie in the background? So Joan is going to take the lead today. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Um, but I did actually, I watched it and took notes because I think there's so much there and I think there were so many smart decisions made. So we'll get into some of the, the best scenes. And then I think the, things that, the actual scenes and things that made us the happiest. And we then I think we have to get into talking about the chef consultant on the menu, Dominique Crenn, because she is so fantastic. And I think to really appreciate... The food in the movie, you have to give her her dues. Sure. What was your favorite scene in the movie? Mm, let's see. I mean, you have a reference to it here. I think that the deepest, like, made me cringe, but it was also funny and perfect was 
when they made Tyler cook because he was <laughs> so, you know, you'd, oh, are you doing that over there? Oh, I have a Paco Jet at home. I like to make my own snow. I like the like the full. That, that I know everything. Little kid, and then for them to set him up and say, <laughs> "Okay, here you go. What do you need, chef?" Uh, leeks. I'll get the chef some leeks. The way that he. <laughs> well, and the way he has them all gather around and go, "Is this a new dicing technique?" Oh, show us your ways. Uh, is, I haven't seen this method before. It's so funny. <laughs> the way that the. I should have his name pulled up, but that actor did so well in that role. Oh, yeah. Not Holt, but the actual... Voldemort. <laughs> he, the way that he controlled the room with his eyes and every, like, thoughtful little thing that was done of him being the highest level chef mm-hmm. and also the highest level. Like, you don't have to yell at someone. You just to be like, oh, is that the way that you do that? That's, that's really nice. <laughs> that's wonderful. You're doing so good. Well, and I think, too, it was, like, around that scene where he says this to Tyler at one point. He's just like, you are why the mystery is drained from all art. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a, like, big concept to, like, just throw that line in there of just, like, oh, you think you know everything. And so if you know everything, then it's not, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. It's not fun. You're not even appreciating it for what it is. You're dissecting it and bastardizing it and also don't even know anything about it simultaneously. Right. I liked that scene a lot. Kind of <laughs> the like way if, he gave him the chef's coat and wrote his name on it. Oh, that was <laughs> he was so happy. And so sad. In all of your doing additional research for this, did you see anything where they talked about what he actually whispered in his ear to make him go and No, and I think take care of himself? I was frustrated for, about that scene. At first, because I really don't like when they're like, oh, leave it to your imagination. Like, no, tell me. I want to know. I want to end on the secret. Um, But I think kind of leaving it. And a lot of people on the Internet have a lot of different theories about the movie that I just. just a lot of speculation then. Yeah, there's not really any like concrete stuff. I think that's one of those things where if you've worked in a kitchen and the chef has come up and like been in your ear, you know what that conversation was. I like that as the explanation where that that go and whisper and then that poor man breaking and then going and hanging out. Um, Whoa. Trigger warning. Jonah edition. Hi. Um, But but yeah, he, I like that as the answer to just say, chef went up, didn't even yell at you, just got in your ear, said something quiet. And then it ended your life. Yeah. One of the things they did talk about in some of the articles I read was that uh, Dominique had spent a lot of time with that actor. We really should have pulled up his name. I got it. Um, and teaching him the mannerisms of a three Michelin chef. Of a maniacal well, artist. And, and one of the things she said was it's like it's in the eyes and it's in the tone, but it's not yelling. And yeah, I the, think if, the, the if, you, truly high level. if you watch the movie, Ralph Fiennes. Yes, he's a fantastic actor. Probably mispronouncing his name because it seems that there's a lot of ends. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you watch the movie, the way he holds his hands, the way that he looks around the room but doesn't move his head, it, it's all like unsettling. Mm-hmm. But like if you watch three Michelin star chefs in their kitchens, it's the same. It's unsettling and very controlled and very. 
maniacal. <laughs> it's uh, it's impressive. It, I I love the movie because everything it, f- it feels like it was made for me. Like <laughs> just explaining it. No, at you're people. the food critic. I'm the food critic. I'm. This is all for us. This is this is for us. Um, and obviously, like we're painting pretty broad strokes with generalizations. Like every chef is not like that. Not all Michelin star restaurants run like that. But it it fills the stereotype. And I think that's why it's so good. Well, and it just makes sense. Like, it's not a lot. I think that there's enough people that have. If you you look online, you look at other people's reviews. A lot of people have talked about how the movie didn't really have any plot. (laughs) Or they didn't explain the backstories of the characters. I'm like, how? Not enough stories of the characters. But for us, like, it's like looking at our lives. Like, I've seen that. I know that person. Mm -hmm. Because the movie did such a good job of taking the archetypes and fleshing them out just enough and giving them some like personal flair in the context of the movie. But also like, I know that person. I've seen that. Yeah, person. You didn't need to hear their whole life story because their interactions told you enough. I know you're a washed up actor and a, a name dropping whore. Like <laughs> I've, I talked to you. I've, I, I saw you yesterday. They served you. Yeah. I think for me, one of the most memorable scenes um, was when the sous chef, and her name was Catherine Keller, which I think having her last name be Keller was kind of funny. Um, Tommy. <laughs> exactly. Um, she, they take the group outside and they have the scene where she's explaining her dish. And she talks about how um, she's been basically sexually harassed by the chef mm-hmm. for eight months. And how instead of like you know, quitting or going anywhere else. He just ignored her. She just did her job. And like that level of mistreatment, which having been a woman in the industry and having been sexually harassed in the industry, mm-hmm. like it's a very visceral, like, and this is what happened. Like, I know this character. They don't even have to talk. This person gave a little bit more backstory than others. And I still already know this person. Right. Exactly. And I saw some stuff that was talking about, like, the kind of the thought behind the men having the chance to run away and how quickly men will run away from a problem rather than face it head on. And then the women are just stood there in the problem. Stuck there eating and smoking. Yeah, you're just stuck. I just thought that was so interesting. Um, And then they're trying to appease the sous chef and the, the critic is like, I can help you have your own restaurant. This food's so amazing. The umabushi really sets off the dish. And then the other, the, the assistant's like, yeah, the emoji is so good. The emoji. <laughs> um, but then the sous chef, Catherine, turns to them and goes, oh, everyone dying was my pitch. She's so proud of it. And she's, she's like, like, this like that was my idea. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> the disappointment when they were like, we're going to get out of this because we have an ally now. And then like, no. I you're you're still the takers. I'm still right. part of the system, it's, and we're all on the menu. Well, I think it's that like false allyship of like you hear allegations being made, and people are like support women, support women. But then when the tables are turned, like they're willing to do whatever it takes to protect themselves, sure, or the people in their lives rather than yeah coming to the car or you know doing the right thing mm-hmm. regardless. Um, so I just thought that was a really interesting. Um, take on such a big issue in the industry. Yeah. Um, the way pervasive. she stabbed him in the in the thigh with the scissors, very reminiscent of his own father being abusive. Yep. And then her smearing the blood across his chef's coat. I was just like, oh damn. Mm-hmm. 
I wanted to point out that I like I think that this movie is, reminds me of like a Brothers Grimm tale for um, <laughs> for the restaurant industry because it's basically just it's pointing out hey don't go out in the woods listen listen mom and dad like there's 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 boogeyman out there like yeah. this whole movie do, it doesn't like yes there is technically no plot but that like it's just a, it's a cautionary tale it's a letter and it's an expose on things that happen constantly like it's not when it it already has happened right and even with um the sexual harassment stuff like that in the, the girls being like oh we're, we're gonna get out of this I, it's too late it's already happened it's like, already we're happened. already on the menu like this there is no like oh i'm aware of it now can i fix it and take these back these like no this the wheel's in motion this isn't stopping and I, yeah. I, I think it did that a very good job of uh, addressing that and the warning people. Right. And you have to kind of sit in that uncomfortableness and really just be like, ooh. But when you know people or you've been that person, like them acknowledging that, I think feels important. Mm-hmm. Um, the actions, every person's actions in that movie had consequences. Right. Another scene that I wanted to talk about is, we mentioned this a little bit, but, like, it matters to the halibut. But the the chef at one point says, um, it matters to the artist who creates what turns to shit within your gut. Yeah. And I think that's so important, and I think we're going to probably get more into that in a couple episodes, because we've been talking to a lot of our friends about um, how people don't value their work the same, Mm -hmm. and how... Um, you pour your heart and soul into this menu and you're making this food and it's your art. It's making it, it's painting a picture. It's, you know, creating a mug on a wheel. Like it's all Mm -hmm. that level of creativity, but people just eat it and then they shit it out and that's it. It is the funniest little, little blip where, you know, it, it, it engages senses in a, in a way that is artful but it's also uh, a means like it is, it is, it is an energy source. It uh-huh. is eating. And so that it is something, it, the fine dining and all of it is this little line, little dot on the Venn diagram of primal need. And then just like artistic advanced. And it's real hard. Like that you either get it or you don't. There's like little slivers. There's lots of people that just eat for eating's sake and don't appreciate or know or care. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think that you can just go and eat and be like, great, my body has what it needs. Right. And I think that if you're going to go and seek out these experiences and go in with this idea of like, well, I know everything. And if it's not up to the standard, then it's not good. You're missing the point mm-hmm. because it's not about you. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's like the there. weird it's thing. Not, it's not about you. It's like when you go to a gallery, you're not going to go up to a painting and be like, I want to send this back. I don't like it. <laughs> and you I haven't been, that's <laughs> why I haven't taken you to any museums. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you have to kind of consider this idea that, like, at that level of dining, I'm not saying all restaurants, like, if you go to Chili's and they make your food bad, send it back. That's okay. But you're not going to because they have perfected the honey chipotle <laughs> chicken crispers. And that's what I appreciate about them. But when you go to these really high-end restaurants, you're paying for a tasting menu. It's super expensive. You know, if they can't accommodate your dietary needs, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because they have spent 
hundreds of hours sometimes yeah. on these menus. And they've put in so much work and so much of their personal time, their holidays, their literally their dreams yeah. into this food. And some people can say, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, why are they trying so hard? It's their passion. It's their art. Their passion. It's their art. And so if you're not willing to go in with this attitude of just appreciating it for what it is, mm-hmm. then I think it's probably not for you. Right. And I think then that's totally fine. Yeah, I think it's definitely okay for people like <laughs> well, you already nodded to this, but we're gonna have a little bit more discourse on the rise and fall of fine dining at that level because there's been some major announcements in the industry. Right. Um and even talking to one of one of our chef friends the other day about dietary restrictions as a major thing, where it's like, hey, we we try to be as inclusive as we can. Mm-hmm. If you are, have celiac disease, like, honestly, I can't accommodate that. You're, it's, I don't want to put you at risk. It's your safety. And I'm not going to make you anything that you like. Like, that's when you're going to high fine dining places. It's like me be going to the museum and being like, I'm going to just. I'm allergic to the color blue. Well, I'm like, <laughs> I actually really don't like small paintings. So can you make the Mona Lisa bigger for me? Right. Like, no, that's No. Yeah, and I think one of the things this movie highlights kind of get us back on track because obviously, like that tangent is great, but I could that I could go on with the hours of <laughs> that one. But the menu part five, yeah, exactly. But just talking about like the burnout that that creates mm-hmm. essentially, and that being a really focal point of the movie is that he's lost his desire to create art anymore because he feels like nobody cares. Yeah, that's hundred percent. They, he <laughs> fully became disenchanted. Everything was a part of the problem. I think even going back to the harassment stuff, the things that he did wrong, mm-hmm. the fine dining at that level, that also, I don't want to say it did that to him. Like Obviously, if a person a, does something you shitty, have choices. that is their own decision. <laughs> yeah. But that is that is something that happens in the industry so regularly where I feel like that was even a nod to that, where it's like, yeah, like this this did it to me. Like I lost all hopes and dreams and I became a monster. Right. You like lose your humanity to it. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think I wrote it down in here too. Um, During the scene where the sous chef Jeremy and his dish, the mess, which we talked about on the last episode in more detail, um, the chef says, it's about the mess you make of your life, your body and your sanity for people you'll never know. Mm -hmm. And I think that just really like drives home kind of everything that we've just said is this idea that, you spend so much of your time and so much energy and you put so much passion into a plate of food for people to just eat it and leave. And that's your interaction. And maybe even be upset. With it, and which be is mad the, at it. Like, oh man, I paid, I paid $50 for that bite of food. Yeah. It took it, that plate of, that it took, was probably underpriced. It That plate of food cost $49 to make. So the 30 of us made a dollar on it and we get to split that and go back to our barracks. Like, well, and then the chef who has spent, who gets paid a salary specifically, but is only really making $3 an hour with how much they work. It's like, you have such a nice salary. You've got benefits and you're like, yeah, I've gone to the doctor once in the last five years because that's the amount of PTO I've had. Exactly. And I had to take PTO to go to the doctor because I literally couldn't move. Yeah, so I just think that's so interesting to highlight, and we'll definitely get into more of that kind of stuff um, over the next couple of episodes, and we'll have some guests, I think, that um, want to talk about that as well, because I think that right now we're 
we're in this like slump for fine dining and it's just people are burnt out they're tired people are burnt out they're tired and priorities are shifting and, yeah. and that's okay um and even just like and <laughs> the financial landscape of it like it just doesn't make sense logistically between people's work-life balance and the amount of value that they can put on things right so the last thing i want to get into is talking about dominique Crenn. um and obviously we could talk about her for like forever i think she's just incredible um I think she would be very fun to meet. Ugh. Can we get her on the podcast, please? Um, for anybody who doesn't know, you can go watch her chef's table. It's on Netflix. At the time of filming it, um, her restaurant, Atelier Crenn, was a two-star Michelin. Um, it has since become a three-star Michelin restaurant, mm-hmm. and she's the first woman in the United States to accomplish mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, which obviously making the distinction of men and women like really sucks, but it's reality. It's still, unfortunately, worth noting because it is noteworthy in such a small pocket of the industry. Yeah. Um, At some point, we hopefully will get some bigger pockets in the industry. But until then, it's it's worth noting. But also worth saying, like, she's just badass. She's just awesome. Um, And she's She's very good at what she does. She's originally from France. She comes to the United States. She opens this restaurant in San Francisco after years and years of working in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, Her viewpoint on food as an art form and the way that she just, like, creates is so interesting and so inspiring. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, her menu, and I don't know if it's still this way, but I know in, in the episode they talk about her menu is a poem. Yeah, it's talked about a couple of times with her consulting work on the Yeah, I think they mentioned well. one of the They're articles. about, like, her, I think all of her menus are, are poems, because th- that is how her mind works. Everything is a poem and art and form, and it's fascinating. She's the type of person that makes me go and sit and be like, am I just a potato? <laughs> <laughs> Do I not have any valid thoughts? Do I have or, no like, artistic at- abilities whatsoever? Have I done, like, how are you like this? How am I like this? Yeah. Um, so she's just really excellent. And so I guess when they were working on the film um, and the writer of the film, he actually said, like, I was inspired by going and eating at this restaurant on this island and i felt like i was a hostage and that's where the movie came from and then he spent time with which pause there so funny so funny because i've been in scenarios while out dining like trying a bit too hard and it's a bit too stuffy and you're like help yeah and so then he the writer also talked about like he had gone to noma and spent time with the chefs there and just like all this is kind of an amalgamation and comes together in the movie and they shortlisted her. They were like, if we could get her, like, there's no way she's going to take this job. Can we get her to take this job? And she read the script and she was like, get me on this project. I need to do this. I need to, this got my gears turning. I got a, I got a little piece of art to give you. When I think one of the things that's so interesting to note is that the dishes were not like part of the script. She did that. Right. Um, She had a hand in all of the dishes except for dessert. And is that just because the dessert was truly like... It wasn't food, which was part of it. And also the dessert was something that the writer wanted to have in the movie. Oh, right. That was like the plot point. It was a plot point and not like a creative aspect that they were asking for. Like Right. And it was still... I've. It was funny because I think it was that dish specifically that was the jab at... Um, People speculate that it's a jab at Alinea. Right. Because of how much painting and brushwork and strokes and well and they've done us more 
<laughs> they, they've done oh a God. s'more on their menu. So um, people online are like, oh, that's a job at Alinea. Um, the handmade granola and the gift bag sleeve, people have said, you know, oh, that's Eleven Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, the restaurant as a whole is just Noma. Like, <laughs> Is it Noma? No, I think there's aspects of Noma there for oh, sure. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, the, even the way that the movie. Walking through the garden. and I mean, The way the movie was filmed. Like it yeah. felt like Denmark while we were there. Um, as I raise my nose up, just <laughs> yeah, exactly. But reading, and I'll, we'll put the articles in the show notes because I think they're so worth your time. Um, about how Kren saw this as an opportunity to explore a darker side of her creativity, mm-hmm. and um, like specifically the dish that was after the mess or was titled the mess essentially mm-hmm. was supposed to be grotesque and indulgent and bone marrow and fillet and compressed vegetables primal and gross and, and like too indulgent mm-hmm. um one of the things they talk about in the articles is that um it was important for her that the actors be able to eat the food uh, mm-hmm. which you, if you know anything about like film they're doing reshoots we got to get it perfect we got to do another take unless you're the bear <laughs> um and so her having to work with a food stylist who was like, well, we have to make it look pretty for six hours. Right. And, and negotiating that, well, no, it needs to be this also has what to be it real. is. Um, I thought that was so interesting. And then... I feel like um, it shows another, like, that's just another facet of the art for her to come into the movie and express... Needs to be a real. dark side of the art, and it needs to be real. And it still, like, this needs to sustain longer than normal and possible technically mm-hmm. but it still needs to be real that's how involved and thoughtful it was yeah there's so many layers to it like, i'm like trying not to get overexcited and just like blab on and on about it but um i mean we got time to blab <laughs> if, that, if that's not what we have time for i don't I mean, know what we've been we doing <laughs> um but i think it's so interesting and so meaningful to see kind of those two art forms come together because I think a lot of people see the value in film and they're like oh like that shot was so beautiful and look at all the work they did all the film buffs in the world yeah there's so many of those and then you know I feel like getting to see the food aspect collide with the film and having to like read about like their negotiation Mm -hmm. um is so crazy. And then also you read about how that was a, the restaurant was a set. Yeah. They and they built, built that restaurant all that. Out to, they built it off of an island, I think in Georgia or something like that, like yeah. in a shipping container. And like the amount of work that went into making that restaurant look like a place that anyone would want to go. Like there's, I think that's something that the movie also highlighted is that literally everyone would want this, but so few people can have it. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's, like, so much good stuff there, I think. I appreciated that, to circle back to Kren, like, and her wanting to showcase a darker side. Like, to me, I think that speaks volumes. To almost, because her poem at Atelier Kren is a nod to her childhood and her life and her journey. And it's a little bit, it's it's not grotesque. But then to also be this artist that operates at that high of a level and have enough pent up frustration to be able to say, no, I want to express this frustration <laughs> Right, is wonderful. Yeah. It was having somebody who gets it be there to kind of guide them 
because I don't know if she necessarily had a lot to do with the script, but I would imagine having her there, they would go, is this how this would work? Like, is this how this would happen? Mm -hmm. Um, And like I mentioned before, I know she spent a lot of time teaching the chef the mannerisms, and he actually, he was the one that cooked the burger in the movie, which I think is interesting to highlight. Which, to quote Courtney's favorite movie, anyone can cook. Anyone can cook, guys. Um, But she spent the time with him taught him how mm-hmm. to make it so that it was real. And that's one of my gripes with, like, some of the other cooking movies is it's not the, the actor's hands. At you, Roy Choi. <laughs> Although I think Favreau has continued to learn how to cook. Yeah, no, he, he definitely has come a long <laughs> way. Um, but I think the dedication to, like, the craft of acting and then also cooking. Yeah, it was is, a beautiful blend of it. It was... Anything that had, so I think it's one of the few movies that we've watched together where we're like, we don't have any issues with this. Right. And I could watch it again and again, and I think I would still get stuff. Um, like, for other example, than, other than like the hyper decanting the wine that made me have a tiny stroke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I even saw a TikTok where somebody pointed out that like the food critic was smoking with Aaron at the table and how Aaron <laughs> had been reamed by Tyler the whole time about smoking and how it ruins the palate and just how hypocritical. It was for the for the critic <laughs> for the to be critic sitting to there be the smoking. smoking, and it's just like there's so many I little details. A, I don't think that's textbook hypocrisy, but it also is just like it just shows it doesn't matter. Well, the person in the TikTok that I saw specifically was like, maybe her palate wasn't even good, and this restaurant got closed by bad opinions. Yeah, and it's just interesting also, to think about the nuance. Not being good is so funny to me because it's just an altered palate. It's, it's just not, different. You just can take salt more than most people. Right. Is my experience with it. Shout out to Chef Mike, who is like, needs more salt. And you're like, I you're can like, feel the water. Bleeding. I can feel the water leaving my body. And he's just like, more salt. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I super recommend like reading about um, Chef Kren. I think she's incredible. I think her artistry in that movie made the movie. Mm-hmm. And once we finished watching it the first time, I was just like, how did we not realize that's who it was? Yeah. Because the level of playfulness and, like, genius to it. Right. And even the... It's her brand. It's her brand. The rest of the, like, I, I can't remember if we talked about this already, but the fact that either David Gelb consulted on it or at least was a nod to There's been a couple of things that I've seen with his name in it. I would have to look further into that. But he is behind Chef's Table. And I yeah. don't think there's anyone that watches... Those shows, even if you don't enjoy food, you could watch Chef's Table as a documentary and acknowledge Gorgeous. how beautiful it is. And so to have a movie that has those nods to that like beautiful film style and still tells the story of the industry as vague of a story as it, it, it may be, like, it, 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 this club has everything. This club has everything. Um, so ultimately, like, we would love to hear, like, what everybody else... Yeah, tell us why we're wrong. Well, tell us why we're wrong. And also, I think we have a good mix of people who listen to the show that are, like, industry adjacent, just interested in cooking, just like movies. Mm -hmm. Like, there's kind of, like, a range. That own Paco Jets. (laughs) When Elsa gets hit in the head with the Paco Jet. (laughs) Wild. Also, those are so heavy. They're so heavy. Like, yeah, that probably would have just knocked her out. Like, our baby home one getting hit with it. Owie. An actual Paco jet is... He's got a jet engine. Um, So, yeah, just those, like, clever bits. And I would be curious even to hear, like, what else we missed. Um, And obviously, like, this is hyper 
specific and very nerdy. And people are going to be like, well, just enjoy the movie. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just enjoy the movie. Just this enjoy deep, your food. This deep dive is how we're enjoying it currently. We are... <laughs> We are ruining it. We're ruining it. We're taking out the art. <laughs> the and chef the would be yelling at us. Um, but I think, I think it's just a deep level of appreciation at the end of the day. And I think honestly, even if you look at Tyler's character, he's not really necessarily malicious in his passion, mm-hmm. as much as it is just like a curiosity that has gone south. So yeah, a morbid curiosity. Yeah. And I think maybe we have a little bit of that. You know, there there was a lot that resonated, fortunately, unfortunately. But again, I think that's the beauty of the movie is to, it's a it's a Hansel and Gretel. It's a cautionary tale. It's a careful, careful how you approach things, even with good intent. On that note, I'm going to go put on my marshmallow cap. Chocolate this. cap. Come oh, on, the cho- man. That's right, the chocolate cap. I'm going to put on my marshmallow vest and my <laughs> chocolate hat, and we're going to go... <laughs> <laughs> gonna go get toasty. <sighs> Thank you for listening to Love Food Hate Money. This podcast is edited by John Watkins of Feathered Fiction Studios. He also does our original music. Connect with us on social media. We've got t-shirts, we got stickers. We almost have a website. So check us out at Love Food Hate Money. And thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to send your hate mail to Jonah. Because I need to I need the fuel. Give me fuel, give me fire. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Love you. Bye. Bye. I made a mess.